0: Thanks, Pastor Stevie. All right, oh, hey guys, thank you for being here today. I'm I am, here's what I'm sorry about. I'm sorry I didn't get to shake each of your hands. As we've grown as a church, I've always had this goal of touching like everybody because I'm like a tactile person, which is probably why some people don't come here anymore, um, because they're not, but I believe everybody deserves a handshake or a hug, and, uh, and so if I didn't get to shake your hand or say hi to you, I'm sorry, and I'm just thankful that you're here. So will you forgive me for that if I didn't get to shake your hand? It does go both ways, but um, at the same time, as we grow, I, just, I love people. I'm thankful that you're here today um, in this nice Oregon Coastal Week. In Idaho, and if you move from Oregon, it's your fault. You brought it. Um, you know, summertime California's move, the sunshine gets here, which was two weeks ago, and now it's drizzly. And uh, we, we joke first service that a, that a pastor and a worship leader hates drizzly days because usually just people bring it in with them, and it's just like this cloud that we have to fight through. Uh, so thank you for not being like that. First service was a little rough, um, and so uh, anyhow, this us just move on, but it was good. It was actually more full because I think people were ready to get out of here. Anybody ready to leave yet? Good. That means you're ready to learn, all right? Let's get into this. Hey, uh, we are in a series called Faithful. Uh, this is the sixth installment. I'm already looking forward for next weekend because Pastor Stevie's preaching, and he gets to preach about a prostitute. So it's going to be good. It's, uh, if you want to read ahead, Joshua chapter two, so I let him have that. <laughs> Cause I'm very tactful in how I, I let him tackle the, 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 the praising prostitute, we'll call her, who eventually becomes Jesus' great-great-great-great-great-grandma, but he'll, he'll go through And Here's what I know about Pastor Stevie. He will delve into a lot of history, and he's going to tell us some stuff we've never heard before. Half of it will be true. Half of it will wonder. <laughs> Just make sure you're listening there. Uh, so let's get into this. I want to keep you here long today, but I do believe... That God wants to do something in your life. And I I just, as I prayed about this message, um, it's for some people. And I believe that you're going to be helped. Um, What I want to do and my goal is that every Sunday, every Wednesday, you come, you're glad that you did. Because you learned something, you got challenged, that it's not a waste of your time. Uh, I do not want the word of God preached to be a waste of your time. Amen? And so I I want us to just absorb what it is that God wants us uh, to do today. So uh, for Tarzan, I want you to think about Tarzan for a moment. For Tarzan to get from point A to point B, what does he have to do? What's he usually, what's his method of travel? Swinging, right? And what's he have to do to get to the next vine? What does he have to do with the one he just had? He had to let go, right? And that's hard to do sometimes. It's hard to do sometimes. So I'm going to have Becky and Brandon come up here. They don't know this yet, but uh, I have a little illustration. Um, it has to be a married couple, so nothing kinky. You just, they just have to be married. So just come up here on the stage with me. Just, just take just a moment. Here's what you need to do. So Brandon, I need you to stand right here. Becky, I need you to hold his hand. Yep, and Brandon, you cannot move. Okay, I have, I have a coffee date right here. I have a coffee date. Okay. Becky, you have to get this, but Brandon cannot move. Okay. No, he can't move. He has no. He can't move. Okay. <laughs> oh, <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right, there you go. You have to go on a coffee date with that. That is no, no. That, the last person did that coffee date. That's not church money. That's my personal money. So take it. Um, all right. Coffee date. That's a, that's a date. You have to go. At the co- yes, you do need it. All right. So what's my point? My point is that you have to be able to let go of what was to grab a hold of what's next. You have to learn how to let go of things. And here's what I find in life. A lot of people have a hard time letting go of the past. And, and in doing so, they cheat themselves of what's ahead. And so that's what we're dealing with today. That the Israelites have have again they were in captivity in captivity in Egypt for about 430 years. Moses is called to lead them out, and so for 40 years they wander in the desert. But they wander because they were disobedient. They were they were wandering because they didn't have the faith to believe that God would get them in. What well, should have been a three to five day journey from Egypt to Canaan, the Promised Land, ended up being a 40 year detour. Because they just chose to not believe that God could get them into that. And so today, if you feel like you're in a detour, you feel like you're in this place where you're like, okay, what does God want from me? My my challenge for you is to keep going. But if it's something you're doing, disobedience, you need to stop. When people are in sin, my first thing is stop, repent, turn around, quit doing what you're doing because you're getting these results as a result of disobedience uh, because God does want us to be blessed. And so, again, when we we go back 40 years, they were denied entry because there was 10 spies out of the 12 that that when they went in to spy out the land, the 10 came back and they're like, there's giants in the land. We can't do this. And I know when we sing that song, you know, when giants fall, every Dodger fan secretly is like, I love this song. (laughs) I know, I'm just thinking because so far the Giants are 0-2 against the Dodgers, but that's okay. Uh, they're just playing with them to mess with them later on. Uh, <laughs> so, um, they have their Giants or their Dodgers stuff on in front of me, so moment of silence. Okay, that's good. Um, so so they, these 10, here's what they did. They went in and they saw reality. They saw giants, but they spread doubt amongst the people. They came back and they're like, it's great land, but we can't take it because there's giants in the land. Uh, we talked about this last week, how they saw all these miracles. They saw the Red Sea part. They saw food produced. They saw water come out of a rock. They saw manna. They saw quail. They saw all these miracles, and yet they felt that there's giants in the land, so we can't take it because God isn't big. God's big enough to part of the Red Sea, but he's not big big enough to take the giants out. And, and so they spread the seeds of discontent of disbelief and and it caused the whole nation to miss out on the promise that God had given them for 40 years. And God said, okay, this whole generation that we're doubting, it's all going to die out. But Caleb and Joshua, the two that that really believed that they could, I was wondering how did that affect them? How did that affect them as they're thinking we could have had this? We could have taken it and and they had to wander for 40 years with their minds going if we would have just believed that God is who he says he is. He's as big as he says he is and he's going to do what he said he will do. We would be in this land and not wandering in the desert sand if we just obeyed. Well, they still hold on to this promise. So now as we get into the book of Joshua, okay, we, we learned last week, okay, Moses is dead. Joshua, you're going to be the guy to take them in. They are staged Okay, on the east side of the river, and they're going to cross the river, they're going to go in and take Jericho, but there's some things that have to be dealt with uh, at the beginning before they can go. So 40 years, okay, they, I'm sorry, let me start over, 40 years later, they face the same situation as their ancestors did. The difference now is that what the old generation saw as an obstacle, the new generation sees as an opportunity, and that's what we're talking about today. It, obstacles or opportunities. There's a story that, that goes, there was two shoe salesmen sent out from Chicago on a rail and they were going to hit all these little towns along the railroad. And so these two shoe salesmen, they stop at every town. And then one shoe salesman looks and he goes, nobody was wearing shoes here. And that happens over and over and over again. They finally get to the end of the line and shoe, shoe salesman number one telegraphs back to Chicago. He says, I'm getting on the train and I'm coming home. Nobody wears shoes. Salesman number two, says, send every shoe you have. Nobody has shoes. Okay? Same obstacle, only one looks at the opportunity. And often, two times, we look at obstacles as obstacles, as barriers, as we can't get through this when we should be looking at them as opportunities. What are you facing right now that is like an obstacle? And it doesn't mean you, you claim that it's not an obstacle. It's in your way, but how are you going to deal with it? Because how you choose to deal with it is going to determine whether you success, whether you succeed or whether you fail. And guess which shoe salesman won shoe salesman of the year award? Okay, number two, the guy that saw opportunity. See, he had opportunity because he had a perspective change. Perspective is a powerful thing. Perspective is not denying reality. Perspective is facing reality and doing something about it. So I want you to, again think about Joshua and Caleb's frustration for forty years. Others' decisions to doubt God affected them too, and this often happens. And in their minds, they're like, we could have had it, we could have had it, and now we got to wait. But in their hearts, they never, ever, ever forgot of God's faithfulness. They never forgot about it. They knew that one day they would possess the land, and right here, they're ready to take it. It's hard to maintain a good attitude when you're affected by the attitudes of others, isn't it? And it's hard to have a good attitude when somebody else has a negative one. I, I don't find too often that a negative attitude is... is swayed by the positive attitude. Usually it's the positive attitude is swayed by the negative attitude. This is kind of human nature. But these guys continue to believe that God was who he said he was and he would do what he said he would do. So here's the good news. Okay. Doubt affected Joshua and Caleb, but it did not infect them. See, something can't affect you without affecting you. Okay. They still kept the faith that they would possess what was promised. What affects you does not have to infect you. It doesn't have to infect you. My illustration for this in first service was when, and I can't think of a nice word to say it, but when the crap flies, <laughs> keep your mouth shut. Okay, It can affect you, but it doesn't have to get in you. Most of the time we have to learn to keep our mouth shut when stuff's flying around. There's a lot of stuff flying around these days. all right. But just to keep our mouth shut, to keep our eyes closed maybe to some things, won't allow us to infect us. It can get on you, but it doesn't have to get in you. And with Joshua and Caleb, it got on them. It affected them, but it didn't infect them because they're ready to now go take the promised land. Like Caleb, he's like, man, I'm 80 years old. I'm going to go kick some tail. I mean, he he was ready to go. Uh, And when we get to that port, it's really fun because he's like, I'm as strong as I was when I was 20. And every 50-year-old man is too in their mind. (laughs) In their mind. (laughs) Softball season of Among Us, right? And I still feel slower than I did last year. And I'm like, 50 is the magic number of in your brain knowing, I can do this in my body. It's like, no, you can't. And if you do, you're going to feel it for a week. right? Yeah, yeah, that's just the way that it is. But what affects you doesn't have to infect you. Bad seeds will get planted in your garden, but it's your choice as to whether you allow them to grow there. It, the wind blows in this area, if you didn't know that, and it blows a lot of seeds. If your neighbors have weedy yards, the seeds are going to get in your yard. And, and doesn't that just drive you nuts, right? Sometimes you just want to get a flamethrower to the neighbor's yard. Just, just, you know, it's like scorched earth policy, <laughs> like nothing's going to get in my yard now. But that's not very Christian to do that, so don't. All right? But we do have to deal with the seeds that get blown into our grass or into our garden, and we got to deal with them. And one thing I know about weeds is the longer you let it grow, the harder it takes to get them out. Well, easier to, to get them out when they're little, all right? So don't let doubt defeat you and don't let the doubt of others affect you too much, okay? Especially infect you. All right, let's get to the Bible, Joshua chapter one, verse five through nine. God has this talk with Joshua saying, Moses is dead, you're gonna take over, you're the leader now. I will never leave you and forsake you, he ends in verse five um, of chapter one. I will never leave you or forsake you. Isn't that a good promise? Okay, that God will never leave us or forsake us. That is a promise. That's not a feeling. It is a promise. And, and that's what Joshua is going to hold on to. So let's read this and then we'll, we'll go back and talk about it. So he starts out with this. Be strong and courageous. This is God talking to Joshua. Because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Okay, Be strong that you may be successful wherever you go. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you to be strong? Am I missing, am I leading something out? I'm leaving some stuff out. Yeah, that's why you gotta bring your Bibles to church, man. I'm trying to trick you. And, and you might be reading up there going, I can't see that because the font's like eight. But I left some things out. So let's start over again because I just read the good stuff. I read Be Strong and Courageous. I, I, I read Prosperity. I believe God's gonna bless you. I believe. I read all the fun things. But in between the fun stuff, He's like, you got to obey. You got to do what I tell you to do. You got to obey the word of God. You can't just have the fun stuff and ignore God's word. But that's what we want to live. Especially as Americans, we just want the fun stuff. I want the paycheck without the work. (laughs) whole lot of that going on in our world right now. (laughs) Right now, some people are making more money sitting at home than they are actually working. And in my mind, as a Christian, that's wrong. That's wrong. If you have the ability to work, you should be working. And we shouldn't have a nation that pays you more to sit at home than not. But that's That's not a soapbox. That's my pulpit. And I'm going to say what I want. Amen. Right? Because I know employers that can't find employees right now. You get paid more to sit at home. That's not good for a country. Amen. That's the best amen I got all day. I'm just going to keep talking about it. All right. So if you're, if you, if you got medical issues, I have no problem with that. All right. But if you're physically able to work and you're not grow up, go to work, work. you can all go home. You're quick learners today. All right. Get this nation back. We got to work. All right. This nation was built on hard work and we're going to talk about that in just a little bit. But now that I know I got a really support group, I'm going to say everything I wanted to say in first service, um, you know, line, all right. Work is good for you, all right? all right? I've heard I've heard somebody say, "Hard work never killed anyone." I'm like, actually, it has, but um, yeah. <laughs> I always hate that. <laughs> yeah, yeah safety managers like, yeah, don't do that, all right? <sighs> don't do that. All right, let's get in. So he he gives them this. Okay, if you do this, and this is what happened. Let me read the real what God really said here. Be strong and courageous, all right? Because you will lead these people to inherit a land I swore to your forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Ah, oh, be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then... And only then will you be prosperous and successful. There is a, there's a cause and effect here. And we love to read the fun stuff, but we don't really like the hard stuff. And that's what we're dealing with today is he's saying here, if you obey, if you do what my word says, I will bless you. I'll bring you into this land. I didn't just promise you just to give it to you. I promised it to you, but you're going to have to earn it. Okay. The, the, here they are in the same place 40 years later, facing a river to cross and giants to fight. Same thing 40 years ago. They had to cross something, and there was giants. But this new generation have a little different perspective. Same obstacles, different perspective. Some of you all facing things that people before you have faced before. I'm going to say this, that most of you, if not all of you, are facing something that somebody else in the world has faced. And you got to remember that, that I am not the only one fighting this battle. I'm not the only one dealing with the thing that I'm doing. Some of y'all have been tempted by the devil and you think that you're the first person the devil ever thought about tempting with that one little thing. It's like, I'm the only person that's ever been tempted by this. No, there's lots of them. You're not that special. We are all tempted with the same things. Amen, we really are. Pastor Steve, have you kicked the AC on just to get a little more? It's getting a little hot in here. I don't know if it's my good preaching or just the weather, right? Facing a river to cross, a giants to fight. What are you facing today? What river are you facing? What giants do you face? Again, perspective is huge, but I know one, I know this. whether it is that you're facing with this river or a giant, you will face it in one of two ways. You will face it with faith, or you will face it with fear. Right. Right? Now, fear is an emotion. Okay, don't take it. Hey, I'm afraid. I don't have any faith. No, no. Faith is only activated when fear is involved. It's got to be scary to have faith. If it's not scary, there's no faith. You ever flipped on a light switch and wondered whether or not it was going to come on? Sometimes, but most of the time, when it keeps coming on, you don't really think about it. Matter of fact, you're shocked when it doesn't come on. I wish I was like that in my response to God. I should be shocked when he doesn't answer a prayer the way that I wanted to. I should be shocked when the light doesn't come on. Yesterday, we had our power go out out at our house, and it's very, very rare that it goes out there. Cunid, this area goes out all the time, but out where we live, four miles, it very rarely goes out. But guess what? I had my generator ready to roll. I had it ready to roll, so I went out, and I got a hook generated up, and we got water and coffee. <laughs> I had to get that. I had first things first, right. right? First things first. I had to keep a French press of emergency situations, and I had a way to boil water. I got my coffee, and then I went out and dealt with the stuff that was secondary, and that was electricity for heat. Yeah. First things first. Okay. We have to be ready for a backup. We can't just go, Oh, oh power's out No, We've got to do something about it. And I appreciate people that work for Idaho power that keep our power. And again, if, if you, if you think your bill's too much, go without power for a week. And then this, you change your mind, right? You change your mind. It's a crazy thing. Here's the promise. I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And here's the deal. But we can leave and we can forsake. The old saying says this if you feel far from God, guess who moved? Because God does it. He doesn't leave us or forsake us. So the challenge in six and seven is to be strong and courageous. Four times we will see this in the first chapter. And why would God say this? Why would God tell Joshua, be strong, be courageous? Why would he say this? Why? Because you're going to have to work for it. You're going to have to fight for it. I'm giving it to you, but I'm not just giving it to you freely. You're going to have to earn this. Because here's what I've learned. My parents taught me this: is what gets given to you freely has the tendency to be forgotten or unappreciated easily. Okay, if you if you just give everything to everybody, and this is why kids need chores. Kids need to work. Kids need to earn their keep. They really do. Living in your house is is a, It's not a right. It's really a privilege. There's certain rights as a parent in Idaho. You have the you have the responsibility to provide a roof and food. Yep, doesn't say what kind of roof. Doesn't no, say what kind of food. It's a chicken coop, bro. It's not raining in there. you get to eat raw eggs until you're nice to your mom. Right? Don't touch a chicken. We're kind of getting away from this. And one of the worst things you can do for your kids is to do everything for them. You, You can't do that and raise a successful child. Sometimes you just are enabling. You think you're helping, but you're actually enabling. You have to know the difference. You have to know the difference. Our kids need to not grow up soft. And the problem is, is we're creating soft children by doing everything for them. They have to learn how to do hard stuff. They really do. Chores are important. If you grew up in the country, give me an amen. I mean, you're like, we have chores. Maybe, maybe in the city, and you still have to take the trash out. You got to do whatever it is you got to do. And, and I've just seen too many families and too many, especially parents, that were like, well, I just had to work really hard as a kid, so I don't want my kid to have to go through. Listen, your hard work made you who you are. That's right. They call you old softy for no right. You're not soft, but we are creating soft kids by not making them do work. Blisters are good for you. Yes. Blisters will keep you in college. Use your brain, not your fingers, right? So blisters are actually a good thing. We can't be doing everything for the kid. Some of your parents are you're so bad. You take the bad out of the kid when he's bad in a little league. You're, let me do the for you. No. I hope I hope you don't do that. All right. But doing everything for your kids is not good parenting. It's enabling. And I'm afraid that in America we are raising a, a, not everybody but a generation of sissies that don't want to work. Why? Because if the government pays you to not work, then why not, right? That's natural human. But let me tell you something. If you are a hard worker and you're a young person, you have a huge advantage today. Work ethic, show up on time, do a better job than everybody else. And I promise you, you will see God bless you. promise you that. Amen it's just it's just how it works okay so as they're staged to go across they're going to have to work for it all right even your physical body your immune system it needs bacteria it needs viruses to keep up it's its defense system if you sterilize everything all the time when a bacteria and virus gets you 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 won't be very strong to fight it so even god has this whole system of how bodies are made okay he made made our bodies a certain way that's my older brother's a doctor and he was like no let your kids eat dirt it's good for them that was his thing, right? Because it, it, it creates an immune system. Probably depends on what kind of dirt. Okay? But they eat dirt. They won't kill them. It makes them actually stronger. So here's what we're facing here. Because if, 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 if you don't struggle, you won't get stronger. You won't. I've, I've told you this before. You try going into a gym and you go start removing weights off people that are working out and see how that works. Like, here, just make this easier for you. Just lift the bar. It'll be a lot easier. You have a bunch of Pee Herman's coming out of that gym, right? It's like, well, I just, it was so easy. That's, that's not, it's called a workout. Okay. Think about the word. When we ask God to take away every struggle, every problem, we will be weak, anemic Christians. What we have to pray is God, if you can't take the struggle away from me, just make me stronger through it. Give me the strength through it. And Joshua not one time said, but God, we've walked 40 years. Why didn't you just wipe out the giants? I mean, you mentioned David, you know, going out to fight Goliath and God going, no, I got this. And just going, and David, and, and Goliath just goes flying back into Palestine. Wouldn't that be awesome? I mean, that would be a great story if God just flicked the giants, but that's not what God does. Because for David to come out in you, there's got to be a giant for you to fight. David would become the future king of Israel, and the people saw something in David because of the giant that they didn't have in themselves, and they saw a young man who was willing to go out, face the same giants they could see with a different perspective. And he's like, who are you to come against my God? Even his older brothers, arrogant, terrible people, uh, they, they were like, who do you think you are? He's like, I don't think I'm anybody, but I know who my God is. So you have to have a giant in order for the inner David to come out in you obstacle or an opportunity, how are you facing what you're facing today? God wants you to face it. He wants you to win. Again, if we don't struggle, you won't get stronger. You can tell your children, Pastor Stan said so. Just have a little family meeting when you get home. This is what's going on. This is what's going to go down. And let me tell you something. Don't feel the need to pay them for every little chore they do. All right, Just make them do it. I got a quarter a week, I think, when I was a kid and we had to cut wood. I mean, we we got paid for some stuff, some stuff we didn't. Why? Because we were eating and we were using electricity. It's part of the family, all right? I'm glad my parents raised us the way that we did. That way I can pass it on to you. Faith is not denying reality, okay? There's rivers and there's giants. But my God is bigger than those rivers and those giants. what are your rivers? What are your giants today? You gotta know God's bigger than that. But you also have to be obedient to do what he says See, we need to have some blood and we need to have some sweat in the game. God does not promise a life lived for Him will be easy. He promises that it'll be worth it. It's not easy, but it'll be worth it. And the results aren't up to you, okay? The obedience is, like my wife said a couple weeks ago, your job is just to keep walking around Jericho. That's your job. Let God take care of the mountain, let God take care of the walls. Your job is to be obedient, okay? And the blessing will always follow obedience, it really will. So we're about to see that the possession of the promised land is based on conditions. In other words, you have to obey God for this to work out. And our life is no different. Now, God's love for you is unconditional. Okay, we, God loves us unconditionally. But his favor is conditional. And there's a difference between love and favor. If you're a parent of two children, you understand exactly what I'm talking about. You love your kid. Kids, you love your kids. But favor is conditional. Okay, you have two kids. One's compliant, one is defiant. Who gets ice cream? The compliant one, right? And if you're giving the defiant one ice cream, that's bad parenting. I'm not saying you're a bad parent. I'm saying that's bad parenting. We cannot, cannot give a blessing to a kid who's defiant. You can't reward bad behavior. Don't reward things that shouldn't be rewarded. Because that's how the workforce works, right? Yeah. Yeah, get into the real world. All of a sudden, if you're lazy, you're not going to get the bonus that the hardworking person does in most places unless you work for the government. Um, then you just get it. Do you know that's why career politicians think socialism works? Is because they get a paycheck regardless, right? <laughs> that's all because of you. April 15th just happened. That's why they get a paycheck. They think, oh, we should just get money and everything will be fine. All right. Without work, taxes aren't paid. Without taxes aren't paid, paychecks aren't made. Right? And so God did not intend, I believe, people to be socialists where we just mooch out the government. I believe that God gave us a capitalistic heart to say, you know what, I'm going to make something, I'm going to do something with my life. And the harder I work, the more money I should make. And I believe that. Amen. I believe that because that's the way it works. It doesn't mean you take advantage of people, but think about people that are capitalists that invented things that you enjoy. Steve Jobs did not invent the iPhone just for fun. He made a very good profit off of it. Why? And usually what things profit, people work toward. So work is something that God has ingrained as. What did God do in the first six days of creation? Oh, I just gave you the answer in the question. He worked. He made. He created. And I think that is inside of us. That we are made to reproduce something. We are made to make a difference in this world. And that's why the retirement for a lot of people, if you don't do something with your life, you you can die pretty fast in retirement. Let me tell you something. God's not done with you as long as you're breathing. 90 years old, God still has a plan for you. He still does. It might be just to pray for a crazy old preacher, but um, God has a plan. But there's a difference between love and favor. And again, as a parent, we understand this. We get it. We get it. We have one kid that just wants to please and lets them do everything, and that's the one that gains some favor. It doesn't mean you love them more, but the one that's defiant over everything, you really don't want to bless them. You're not going to go above and beyond to really make their life easy, and you shouldn't. And so that's what God is teaching them here is if you obey me, then you will get the blessing. All right, Our kids need to learn consequences. So in verse eight, God gives Joshua the key to victory, this key to success. He says, work hard, fight for it, and do what I tell you. And now pass it on, okay? Obey all the laws I gave you, and you will succeed in all that's before you. And you can't just obey the ones that you want to. Isn't it, isn't it weird that God didn't say, hey, there's 10 laws, but you can pick five? <laughs> just, just 50% would be fine. Because what would we do? We would pick the five that we don't really care about. Like the law that says, don't eat tofu. I'm in. That's one on my list, okay? That's on my list. No, we would pick these. He says, obey all the law. Everything that I give you, you need to obey it because partial obedience is really disobedience. We can't just obey partially, right? We understand with our children, there's, there's full obedience, there's not obedience at all. Verse eight is all about cause and effect, right? If you do this, then God will do this. It's about recognizing the natural tendencies we have to disobey. And this is what he says here. All right. He says, be strong, courageous. Don't turn from the right or to the left. Then you may be successful in what you do. And then he says this in verse 8. This hits me. It says, do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth. In other words, talk about it. Meditate it on it. I'm sorry. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Because what you think about is what you end up doing. I know for me, the word of God is so important for my marriage, for my relationships, because it reminds me be nice to people. (laughs) Be kind. Be patient when you're driving down Meridian Road. I didn't even have to say that anymore. When you're driving stinking deer flat, uh, I've come out of this parking lot for almost 15 years now, and it takes me five minutes sometimes. I'm just waiting, going, my goodness. I think there should be a special stoplight for Pastor Stan because I've lived here for so long that I can push a button. Oh wait, there is right here. So after church, if you would, just act like you're going to use a crosswalk, push a button, then I could go home. That's called entitled and that's wrong, all right? It's not the way it should work. And we have this traffic stuff that we face. We have people that are mean to us. We have people that are rude, people that just do these things that annoy us. And the word of God will keep us In our mind, right, because what is in you will eventually come out of you. And so when I meditate on God's word, where it says, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, all that stuff, all the stuff that doesn't come natural, because we're not naturally loving and kind and peaceful, we have to constantly remind ourselves okay, I have to behave this way. If I want a happy wife, then I need to be nice to her, I need to be kind, I need to be gentle. Okay, if I want a happy husband, I need to encourage him. I need to respect him. I need, there's things that we have to do to get the things that we really want. And it's not manipulation. It's just the way it is. Okay, we, we need to be kind to people. So if you do all this, and he says meditate on it, remind yourself, this is how I'm supposed to react to the thing I'm facing right now. There's a giant. There's a river. What, what is your giant? What is your river? Why don't you think about it right now? What, what, what is the giant? What is the river you're facing? How are you supposed to face it? Supposed to face it with God. To say, God, I need you through this because I can't make this on my own. Lord, your your word tells me that you are with me. Okay, meditate on his word. He says, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. God, I have to remember that right now because right now I'm kind of feeling forsaken. I'm kind of feeling left behind. I'm kind of feeling like maybe you don't care where my life is at. And God cares very much where your life is. Now again, if you're living in blatant sin, you need to repent, get right with God, and then go forward. Because if you're living in blatant sin, what you're telling God is, God, I don't really believe your word. I want your blessings, but I really don't want to obey. It Doesn't work like that. Doesn't work like that. You go to Disneyland, you try to get in without a ticket, and tell them, "Well, I'm cute, so I should just be able to get in without a ticket." They're not going to let you in. Okay, you either have a ticket or you don't. And if you don't have one, then you're going to have to get one to get in. If you get in over the wall, they, you know, bad things will happen. Of course, California, they might just let you. Um, but they used to, they used to do things to stop you from that. Okay. Cause you just gotta. Oh, all right. Yeah. So anyway. Hey, you moved out of there. You should give me a standing ovation, right? You left for you left for a reason. You left for a reason. I was just say we left for a reason. Cause I came from northern, way northern, not by the Oregon border. All right. Yeah. Still California. Who was that mocker in the back that just said that? Ushers. <laughs> take the take that guy. Take him out and flog him, alright. Thirty lashes for speaking against the man of God. Actually he was just stating a fact, so kudos. I think sound like Mark Wright, but not naming names. Is that who it was? Ah, I know my sheep well. <laughs> What I love about Mark Wright is he going to tell you the right thing, amen? So Mark, thanks for just speaking the truth there, brother. All right. You will be prosperous if you do this. And me, me. I found something interesting in this. I didn't find one verse in here where God says, get your fighting men ready. Make sure they're working out. Make sure they're running a couple of miles a day. Make sure they're practicing with their slings and their bows and their swords and all. Make sure they're physically, now not, I don't see one thing in there where it says, make sure they're physically fit to fight the fight. What I see God doing here is he's saying, make sure that your spiritual side is ready. Because what I have found in life is our spiritual side can absolutely affect what happens in the physical side. When we get our hearts right with God first, when we obey internally, we will see things physically happen that we're like, wow, that was God. That was God. So he is focused more on the spiritual side of things than he is the physical side. It'd be like washing and waxing your car, but neglecting to change the oil neglecting to maintenance. It looks great, but inside it's broken. I have a friend who had a brother who wasn't a very good Christian. And I can say this online because the statute of limitations is probably over. (laughs) And I don't care anyway. (laughs) Well, he did someone dirty. All right, he got a small block Chevy. Chris, you like this small block Chevy. Painted it all up, Chevy orange, put chrome valve covers on it. The engine was blown up. But he didn't let the person know that who was buying it. He just put it for sale. This was 30 years ago or so. And, and he sold it as a brand new engine. Okay. Yeah. That's before Facebook and tracing, you know, contact tracing. Who did I find? So like he sold it. And, and he sold it and then just ditched. So that's doing someone dirty. Right? It's dressing up the outside, but the inside is what's broken. And God cares not about what the outside guys looks like. He cares about what's going on in here. One of the things that my son and I—if you see our Facebook—we love motocross bikes. We love just buying ones. We don't always love buying ones that are completely exploded on the inside because sometimes you don't know. But what we enjoy doing is buying motocross bikes and taking the engine apart, fixing them up, and it takes a lot of time. Um, how do we have the time to do it? Well, we watch a lot of TV and we play a lot of video games. No, you, yeah, okay. No, it, it takes time and it's hour by here and there, and it's 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 broken up a bit. And I was as I was even we came to prayer last night and there was this one washer that wouldn't fit in this thing. And so when it wouldn't fit because something moved, it just ground, I just ground it down. <laughs> yeah. You just make it fit. Like I ground it down, made it fit. And, and so I came to church and I was praying over this morning and, and I, was, I was kind of talking to God, God, why, why do I enjoy taking something that's destroyed? Like the last bike we just got running last night, it was, a, I call it a basket case. It came in a box, this guy took every part, put it in a box. He's like, here you go. And we bought it. And there was parts from another motorcycle in it, which always throws you off because you're like, what does this go to? It doesn't go to anything because I can take it apart and put it back together myself. And it was like God said, you know, that's, that's like me. I love taking a life that started out new, but got destroyed. And I love it when people will bring their life to me so that I can rebuild it Amen. so that I can rebuild it. And and it can be frustrating, it can be time consuming, it can be hard, but there is nothing more important for God to take a life that's, I call it a basket case, that you've actively destroyed for years and take it and say, if you will bring it to me, I will rebuild you. There's some tearing apart that has to take place and there's some parts that are going to have to be fixed and some parts that probably have to be replaced, but I will make you new again. And that is the beauty of Christianity is that God does not require you to get cleaned up before you come to him. He, all he says is, come to me and then we'll work on the cleaning. Right. I love what Scott says when he speaks. He says, that, that, you, know, you come to Jesus, if you're a murderer and a cusser, work on the not murdering people first. Yeah. Like, you don't have to worry about quit cussing. You can still cuss and just don't kill people. Yeah. Right? It, it's a process. It's a process. And there's always a battle to fight and always another river to cross. That God wants us to rebuild. He wants us to be new. So again, he says in verse nine, be strong and be courageous. It's as if God is saying, I'm not gonna take the battle away from you, but I will help you fight it. Mm-hmm. And that may mean something to you today on this battle that you're facing, the things that you don't wanna face. God may not take it from you, but he will help you fight it. You have to believe that. In verse 10, God's done talking to Joshua. And he says, okay, now go tell, go tell the people Joshua verse 10 says, he he went and he ordered the officers of the people. You go through the camp. Tell the people, get your supplies ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God has given you for your own. Again, he's reminding them it's yours for the taken, but you're gonna have to fight for it. But to the Reubenites, and he, he talks to this little group of people, that have been working hard and he's going to give them some rest like he's going to say okay you guys get to stay on this side of the river your fighting men will have to go but i'm going to give you some rest and this is an important verse but to the Reubenites the Gadites the half a tribe of Manasseh Joshua said remember the command that Moses the servant of the Lord gave you the Lord your God is giving you rest and has granted you this land Your wives, your children, your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan. So in other words, where they were at, but all your fighting men fully armed must cross ahead of your brothers. You were to help your brothers until the Lord gives them rest as he has done for you. And until they too have taken possession of the land that the Lord, your God is giving them. After that, you may go back and occupy your own land. In other words, he's saying fighting men, you need to go fight the battle, but your non fighting. People get to stay on this side of the river just to enjoy rest. And this is not something that we do very well, is it? We, we don't rest well. It seems like we get a day off, we find work to do, we find something to do, and we need to get better at resting. There's some people that have no problem with resting. <laughs> you need to get off the couch, get a job, and do something productive, but I'm not talking about that. Most of us are overworked. You talk to most people, we're like, I'm tired, I'm tired, I just, just go and go and go and go and go. And I don't think that is a good thing for us to be is always tired. It's like we live in a generation with the most time-saving devices ever and we're busier than ever. What's up with that? So learn to rest, guys, because if you're exhausted, you're not gonna be any good to anybody. You have to learn to rest and you have to learn as a spouse especially to just say, can I just get an hour like away from the kids? <laughs> can, I, can I just get some time away? Can I just get some alone? Just, some, just something that will fill me up. And as, as a spouse, if we're respectful of that, Okay, that will only do your marriage good. Do I get a good amen from mothers, all right, especially? All right, it's just like the constant draining. We have to learn to be filled, but even God rested on the seventh day. Why? Because he was setting an example, okay? Work hard, but also rest. Work hard, but also rest. Not many amens. You're like, it's easy to preach, hard to live. Yes, I agree with that, all right? But we still need to do it. So Joshua gets the leader, says, hey, here's what's up. And, and I love this. They answer Joshua. "This should be our response to God. I have this written in my side It's my response to God, our response to God. And they said this, whatever you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. That should be our heart when God tells us to do something. God, I will go where you say for me to go and I will do what you ask me to do. I will love people, okay? I will, I will do the best I can to be kind and to be nice and to be what a Christian should be. Because again, if we have the love of Jesus in us, that's what's gonna want people to want what we have. But if we're a Christian and we're a jerk, why would they want that? Why act like the world? Okay, we need to work on kindness. We need to work on joy. We need, people need to see you struggle through stuff and get through it because they're going through stuff too. But if you get through it and you can say it's because I'm serving God, Jesus is with me. Don't be over spiritual, okay? Mm-hmm. I haven't even preach on that, right? Don't be over spiritual. You can be over spiritual. You can just say, man, no, God helps me through this stuff and then talk about Jesus and, and not be over spiritual with that. And that's how I get through this. Then maybe they will want what you have, right? Lifestyle evangelism is a big deal. Yeah. All right. So I like the next verse and we're going to close with this. This is kind of funny to me. I say funny because the Old Testament is pretty exciting. But I thought, what if, what if we acted this out today? I don't think it would fly well in America. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you will. And they said this, whatever you command us to do, we will do whatever you send us, we will go. Just as we have fully obeyed, this is still the leaders talking to Joshua, just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will fully obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. <laughs> in verse 18, whoever rebels against your word and does not obey your words, whatever you may command them, we will put to death. (laughs) Can you imagine having a family meeting with your 16 children? (laughs) You will do what I say, or you will be sacrificed, (laughs) all right? (laughs) It would be just like the one, like they're serious about this, right? And and that's, that's what's happening here. They're like, if nobody obeys you, we'll just kill them. It's the Bible. I didn't write it. I'm just going pretty convincing, right? Oh, I'll take one or two, and then everybody else will be like, "Oh, they're serious about this." That's why I don't believe. If you tell your kid, "Hey, I'm gonna spank you," you better do it when they disobey you. Don't. You just got to do it, right? Don't be giving these false things of, of what you're not. You know, don't don't make a kid a promise that you don't fulfill. If you tell me you're spank him, you got to do it, okay? Some of y'all having bad days, you just hoping that they mess up so you can. I told you I was going to spank you, all right? I don't feel good. We'll just kill them. If they don't obey you, we'll just put them to death. And I I find that very intriguing. Like, wow, that's pretty motivational, right? Old Testament approach to things was pretty convincing at times. There is an Old Testament story about a son who was just rebellious to his mom and dad. They took him to the leaders of their little city, and they just stoned him to death with rocks, like right there, boom, boom. And every teenager in that town began to obey. Like, you are the sacrificial lamb, all right? But, but that's how they dealt with stuff. If you don't obey, we'll kill you. Now, why would they say that? Well, think back 40 years. Yeah. Think back 40 years where the 10 spies came in, and they gave all these negative seeds, and they were rebellious toward God, and they didn't deal with it. And then they have to suffer consequences for 40. So this new generation is like, God means business when he says obey. God means business is that the wages of sin is death. God means business when he says obey everything or else. And it's not because God is mad at people. If God was mad at you, he would just have flicked you off the earth a long time ago. God loves you. He loves you. That's why he says to obey me. If you obey me, the blessing will follow. It's no different than parenting. We will bless the kid that just wants to do what's right. We find that is really true. We know what favor is. And I always said, if you want favor with your parents, just obey them. Just obey them. It took me several years to figure that out, but eventually it did. It's like, wow, if I do what's right, I don't get spanked. If I do what's right, I get the blessing. Okay, That's called good parenting. Disobedience is like a cancer. If you don't deal with it, it only gets worse. And that's what's happening in our world now. We're seeing this disobedience, okay? And this is why, okay, and don't take me wrong on this, but this is, this is how I view things, is this is why we need to let police officers do their job. Yeah. They, they are law enforcement, and it is a calling. If you read the book of Romans, it is a calling. Well, what about the bad ones? Get rid of the bad ones, because all the good ones I know, they don't like the bad ones either. That's right? right. right? I, don't like, I don't like pastors that are sleeping with secretaries and stealing money and all that. Why? Because it, 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 it affects me. It affects me, right? Get rid of them, okay? But let me tell you something. For every cop that does the wrong thing, there's tens of thousands that do the right thing. Okay, There is, and you have to understand that. Why? Because the news will just take one little video and make you think that every cop is bad. That's not the case. Without police officers, guys, our world goes into chaos. It's crazy, and it's not a popular thing to say these days, but I don't care about popularity. I care about just doing what's right. Right? We need law enforcement. We have to have it. Look at countries. Have you ever been to a third world country where there's not law enforcement? Yeah. It's, a real, it's a total safe place. Everybody's nice to each other. Nobody robs. Nobody rapes. Everything's great. Yeah, no, you take away law enforcement. People just treat each other lovely. It's just, no. It's, it, we, can't, we can't do it ourselves. We have to have law enforcement. So, again, if, if you're against law enforcement, you're against what God has established. Okay? So, again, bad apples, Yes. Bad apples, yes. If there's some bad apples, what do you do? How do you deal with a bad apple? Take that apple out of the tree. You don't cut the whole stinking orchard down, right? Because the orchard is what feeds the town next to it. We deal with the bad apples. But let me tell you something. We live in a world that is becoming lawless. We live in a world that the Bible says in the end, times, the a man of lawlessness. That is the spirit of the Antichrist that says we don't need laws. We don't need law enforcement. People can get along by themselves, and that's just not true. That's just not true. Okay, so support law enforcement. All right, give them a thumbs up. Give them a fist bump when you see them. Okay, because we need them. We really do. Okay, it's just that's just the way it is. All right. So, why do we need law enforcement? Because we can't govern ourselves. We prove that over and over. Okay, this is one reason this portion of scripture is so important. Okay, what what is what are they saying? If they don't obey, that we will kill them. They're saying we have to enforce this law because if we don't enforce the law, people go nuts. And people go nuts. The Bible actually says that. When, when sin is not punished quickly, evil reigns. And it should be quickly. It really should be. Because God does that, all right? So left to ourselves, left without God's word, we fall into fear and doubt that God is who he says he is, and he will do what he said he will do. Okay, our, our world, you've got to be really careful what you listen to, what you watch. Okay, for instance, if, if the news wanted to start killing restaurants, They would start getting every incident of every hair found in every piece of food, and posting it on social media. This is what happened at McDonald's today: hair, hair ball. Somebody found a tooth in the hamburger. All right, and somebody found something in this, and and they could post it enough to say, "Of McDonald's here, McDonald's there, McDonald's there, McDonald's." And all of a sudden, you'd be like, "Yes, just go to Burger King, right?" Because they could post all these things. Somebody choked on a nugget and died. Don't give your kids nuggets. Give them an apple because apples are more healthy. <laughs> I want a nugget, man. I don't want an apple. If I want an apple. I'm going to go to the orchard. And I don't want you tell me whether I can biggie size my fries or not. I'm a grown adult. I can eat biggie. Actually, I can't. I eat like medium because of my size. But, but I'm saying, when the, when the government starts telling you what you can and can do, that's where I'm like, okay, we got to look at where's, where's things happening in the Bible in the end times, because there is going to come a time, guys, when, and I believe that the rapture will take place, I believe we'll be gone, when they say you will have a mark on your, on your right hand or on your forehead, or you will not be able to buy anything. There is going to be a mark of the beast that is going to happen, okay? So it, it makes me a little leery when people start telling you, you have to do this, okay? You have to do this. I said this Wednesday night, and I'll say it now, that I believe that, that vaccines and opinions should be only be given when they're asked for, <laughs> I have a hard time with the opinions one because I give it to you whether you ask for it or not. All right, That's just where I stand. That's not, that's not a political thing. I'm not getting political. What I'm saying is we have to be careful as to what we believe. We have to be careful what we see going on in this world. Okay, We can be neutral on a lot of things. We cannot be neutral on God's word. Okay. We can't be neutral on it. We gonna, it's going to get harder and harder, I believe, to be a Christian in this world. So we gotta be ready for it, okay? I'm not like anti government I love the government. I love paved roads. I will pay taxes for a paved road. I like paved roads. There's certain things that I don't agree with the government spending my money on, but that's okay. I live in the greatest country in the world. We're the most generous country, okay? And you know why we're generous? I believe because we have a Christian base. So anyhow, if I'm getting too political for you, I hope it's not political. I hope it's just biblical. Because right? it should intertwine. It really should. Here's what I want us to leave with. What God leads you to, he will help you through. He will. He will do that. We have to believe that he is who he is, says he is, and he will do what he said he would do in our lives. And these guys are about to face some, some giants. They're about to face a river. They're going to go in and spy the land, as, as Pastor Steve will talk about next week. And there's some things, that, battles that they have to fight. So my, my challenge for you is, is what, do you, what battle are you facing? What river? What giant? And will you keep battling? Will you keep fighting? You might have struck out last time, but will you get up to bat and swing the bat? That's what God is asking of you today. Will you keep swinging? Well, that pitcher's throwing 97 miles an hour. Will you keep swinging? Will you keep swinging? Will you just step up to the plate and say, Well, I got hit by a pitch last time? Will you come back and get in the batter's box again? Yeah, I know that you got hit by the pitch. I know somebody treated you wrong. I know that that preacher said something mean, and it was a 97 mile an hour fastball by your face, but maybe it's going to wake you up a little bit. See, here's what I know. You can stay on the bench and have a good batting average for the year. You can have a good batting and stay on the bench, and that's what you ended it, but you only had a certain amount of bats. God wants you just to get back into the box. He wants you to keep swinging. He wants you to believe that he's bigger than your giant, that he's bigger than your river, and he will get you through it. Will you keep battling? That's the question. Will you? Will you keep battling? Okay, keep fighting. Will you learn to let go of what's holding you back? Because if you keep holding on to the past, you can't grab what's ahead. That, these guys couldn't do that. There was a river to cross, a physical barrier to go, okay, to, for us to get what's promised, I have to leave what's in the past. I have to. It's not that it didn't happen. It's just, I'm not going to let it infect me. It affected me, but I'm not going to let it infect me. Because if it infects me, I have the ability to infect others. See how this all plays out? God's good, isn't he? Amen. So my question today is, where are you at with Jesus? Are you right with God today? Because if, if you're not right with God, there's no point of listening to this message. Where you spend eternity is important. Where you spend eternity is up to you. There's a heaven and there's a hell and we get to choose where we go. Okay, the default place is hell. Okay, if we do not ask Jesus to be our savior, we pay for our own sins for eternity and hell forever. And that's a long time. But Jesus came that we would have life. We bring him our mess. We bring him our motorcycle. It's just in tons of pieces. And we're like, God, can you do something with it? He goes, I made it. I know exactly where every piece goes. I can put you back together if you'll let me. God wants to restore you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to heal you. God loves you. He's on your side. You've got to believe that. Amen? Some of you are having a hard time forgiving your own self, forgiving your past. I hope today that you saw that you got to let go of that to let God do what he wants to do in you. Amen? Amen? So if you bow your heads with me just for a moment, and this is how we're going to end this, is if you've never given your life to Jesus today, and you want to, okay? I'm not here to pressure you into it. I'm not going to force you. I'm not going to take a whole lot of time. But if you're here... And you need forgiveness. You need Jesus to be your savior. You've never made this decision before. Maybe you made it so long ago and you're so far from God. You just want to come back. He's waiting for you with open arms. will forgive anything you've ever done. And, and he's happy about that. He's glad about that. If that's you, you just lift your hand up where I can see it. You don't have to lift it for very long. Okay, let see that hand. All right, hands up all over the place. All right, thank you for doing that. And church family, we pray together as a family in support of those who raise their hands. And if you would just repeat after me, dear Jesus, dear Jesus I, believe sins, I believe that you died for my sins. And I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. Of my sins. Come, into my life, Come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. Lord and Savior. In, Jesus in Jesus' name, amen. 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 You're, you're his now. Amen. <laughs> You're his. You're his. Amen. There's several hands. I think we had six or seven last week. And that that is, that is a win for me, for somebody to give their lives to Christ. Amen. I will say, sorry if I got a little too political on one side, but um, passionate maybe a little bit. And let me tell you something, guys. If you're mad at me right now, I'm not always going to say it right. I'm not always gonna say it right. I'm, I'm gonna. Some of Stan is still inside here. Right? Some of me's still gonna come out. So again, if I was, if I crossed any lines, just forgive me. Uh, but maybe that was the river that you need to learn how to forgive. So maybe I was actually the tool that God's gonna to use to get you over the river, right? Woo! Because I ain't no giant. I know that. Um, but I remember. But God bless you all. Thank you so much for coming today. Again, Wednesday night, we're doing our award summary for our kids. It's going to be a good time uh, for all the, the badges and stuff they've earned. But if you're brand new and you want a coffee cup, go see our information booth back there. And that's all I need, right? Sign ups for men's, the, men's, the men's event and kids camp. All right. You can see the information booth. I love you all. Thank you for coming. Have a wonderful day. Drive crazy.